For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures I will arise and go forth to the house of my young I will arise and go forth to the house of my father I will arise and go forth to the house of my young House of my young Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, The Feast of Shavuot, A Change of Heart. This is part one of the series. In this session, we are going to learn the following. Number one, that the rabbis teach that the God of Israel married the house of Jacob at Mount Sinai. Number two, we're going to learn that the rabbis teach that the house of Jacob is like an adulterous wife unto the God of Israel. Number three, we're going to learn that the church was actually born at Mount Sinai and is reborn at Mount Zion. Number four, we're going to learn the difference between the original covenant that was made with the nation of Israel at Mount Sinai and the renewed covenant that is also associated with the house of Jacob, but the redeemed house of Jacob and its link to Mount Zion. We are going to learn what a stony heart is and we are going to study the parable of the sower as it relates to understanding the stony heart. We're going to conclude the message by looking at the difference between Mount Sinai and Mount Zion and we're going to finally learn that the festival of Shavuot is among other things related or associated with the renewed covenant and having a change of heart. We're going to begin by looking at Jewish sources that actually explain to us that there is a marriage relationship between the God of Israel and his people and we're going to see how the rabbis see that the house of Jacob, the wife of the God of Israel, ultimately fell into spiritual adultery. To begin with, we are going to look at a quote from the book In the Garden of Torah by Rabbi Menachem Schneerson, and this is a commentary on the Torah portion, Tazria. This comes from page 163 in the book. It says, One of the analogies used to describe the relationship between God and the Jewish people, and 
where it is written, Jewish people, we understand that it is actually the house of Jacob, is a love between a man and a woman. The love between the Jews or the house of Jacob and the God of Israel is a complex dynamic union. The Holy One, blessed be He, and Israel are one. They are joined in an ardent bond. Indeed, the prophet Isaiah uses the simile, your maker is your husband or your mate. This comes from Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 5. Now looking at the Torah anthology, specifically book 1 on the 12 prophets and commenting about Hosea in chapter 2 on page 54 in the Torah anthology, it says this, in Deuteronomy chapter 33 verse 4, the Torah says, Moses commanded us a law and an inheritance of the congregation of Jacob. The sages expound, do not read inheritance in the, the Hebrew word for inheritance, but read betrothed. In the difference between the Hebrew word inheritance and the Hebrew word betrothed is one letter. And that one letter is the Hebrew letter Aleph. So that one letter changes the meaning from inheritance to betrothed. So therefore, they say, don't read it as inheritance, or there's a greater and deeper meaning besides inheritance. It is also thematically related and connected to betrothed. The Torah is Israel's betrothed. The Torah is the ketubah, or the marriage contract between the God of Israel and his people. And last week, we explained that it was actually Yeshua who gave the Torah at Mount Sinai. When a man betroths a woman, he has gained no advantage by the act of betrothal, for she remains forbidden to him. In other words, it is in the second step where the consummation of the marriage takes place. During betrothal, you don't physically live and dwell with your mate. Even though you're betrothed, which is a legal marriage, she's forbidden to him until after he will have married her under the wedding canopy. There is this, however, that she is reserved for him alone. A Arusa cannot marry another without first being divorced. God's choice of Israel is likened to a betrothal. As it says again and again, I am the Lord who consecrates you. Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 8. It is a full-fledged betrothal. When a woman is consecrated to a particular man by an act of betrothal, she is forbidden to others. Similarly, one may not benefit from something which has been consecrated to the sacred domain or the holy temple. Figuratively speaking, the scripture conveys that God has forbidden us to consort with other deities, forbids us to have other relationships with other deities. In other words, not worship other gods. As it says in the Torah, and I have set 
you apart from the peoples, meaning the gods that the other peoples worship. Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 26. Now, from the art scroll of the Twelve Prophets, volume 1, and commenting about the book of Hosea and the symbolism that is associated with Hosea marrying Gomer, who is regarded as being a whorish woman. Hosea's book starts with God's command to marry a loose woman. It symbolizes the deteriorating relationship between God and Israel over the years from Sinai to the time of the prophet. The original closeness between them is described allegorically in Sher Hasharim or the Song of Songs. Lyrically, it describes the ecstatic relationship of a loving bride and groom and our sages compare the revelation at Sinai to a marriage ceremony. But many years of sin have changed that. God's command that Hosea marry a faithless woman and have children by her symbolized the degradation of a union that had become worthless by Hosea's time. Yet, in spite of this, God refused to reject his people totally and told Hosea to pray for them. There is also a reference to this thought from the Talmud in Pesahim 87b. Now, in the art scroll of Sher Hasharim, or the Song of Songs, in the introduction to the book, the following comment is made. The prophet frequently likened the relationship between God and Israel to that of a loving husband angered by a straying wife who betrayed him. Solomon composed Sher Hasharim, or the Song of Songs, in the form of that same allegory. It is a passionate dialogue between the husband, God, we understand it from a previous teaching, it's actually Yeshua the Messiah, who still loves his exiled wife, that is Israel, the house of Jacob, and a veritable widow of a living husband, Second Samuel chapter 20 verse 3, who longs for her husband and seeks to endear herself to him once more as she recalls her youthful love for him and admits her guilt. God too is afflicted by her afflictions. Isaiah 63 verse 9 and he recalls the kindness of her youth, her beauty and her skillful deed for which he loved her. He proclaimed that he has not afflicted her capriciously. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 33 nor is she cast away permanently for she is still his wife and he is still her husband and he will yet return to her. Next is from the Torah anthology on the 12 prophets book 1 commenting about Hosea in chapter 3 and verse 1 on page 60 it says she is like a woman beloved by her husband who commits adultery yet though she betrays him his love for her is so great that he refuses to banish her the children of Israel are God's greatly beloved people yet they stray after other gods from these commentaries what we see the rabbis explaining is that there is a marriage relationship between the God of Israel and his people. And we explained that um, in a previous session that in truth it is Yeshua who is married unto the house of Jacob. Now the rabbis in commenting about this marriage relationship acknowledges that the house 
house of Jacob went after other gods, and the prophet described them in doing so as being an adulterous wife. Next, what we are going to examine is we are going to read from Numbers in chapter 5, verse 11 through the end of the chapter. We're going to see what is required of a wife who is suspected of adultery. After we read what Torah says regarding what would be done unto a wife suspected of adultery, we are then going to look at the rabbinic commentary from Midrash Rabbah on these same verses, and we're going to see how every phrase from Numbers chapter 5 verse 11 through the end of the chapter, every phrase they relate it and associate it with the God of Israel's relationship unto his wife, the house of Jacob. So here is what it says in Numbers chapter 5 beginning in verse 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, If any man's wife go aside and commit a trespass against him, and a man lie with her carnally, and it be hid from the eyes of her husband, and be kept close, and she be defiled, and there be no witness against her, neither she be taken with the manner. And the spirit of jealousy come upon him, and he be jealous of his wife, and she be defiled. Or if the spirit of jealousy come upon him, and he be jealous of his wife, and she be not defiled. Then shall the man bring his wife unto the priest, and he shall bring her offering for her, the tenth part of an ephah of barley meal. He shall pour no oil upon it, nor put frankincense thereon. For it is an offering of jealousy, an offering of memorial, bringing iniquity to remembrance. And the priest shall bring her near, and set her before the Lord. And the priest shall take holy water, in an earthen vessel and of the dust that is in the floor of the tabernacle the priest shall take and put it into the water and the priest shall set the woman before the Lord and uncover the woman's head and put the offering of memorial in her hands which is the jealousy offering and the priest shall have it in his hand the bitter water that causes the curse and the priest shall charge her by an oath and say unto the woman if no man have lain with you and if you have not gone aside to uncleanness with another instead of your husband be thou free from this bitter water that causes the curse but if you have gone aside to another instead of your husband and if you be defiled and some man have lain with you beside your husband then the priest shall charge the woman with an oath of cursing and the priest shall say unto the woman the Lord make you a curse and an oath among your people, when the Lord does make your thigh to rot and your belly to swell. And this water that causes the curse shall go into your bowels to make your belly to swell and your thigh to rot. And the woman shall say, Amen, Amen. And the priest shall write these curses in a book, and he shall blot them out with bitter water. And he shall cause the woman to drink the bitter water that causes the curse. And the water that causes the curse shall enter into her and become bitter. Then shall the priest take the jealousy offering out of the woman's hand and shall wave the offering before the Lord and offer it upon the altar. And the priest shall take a handful of the offering, even the memorial thereof, and burn it upon the altar. And afterwards shall cause the woman to drink the 
water. And when he has made her to drink the water, then it shall come to pass that if she be defiled and have done trespass against her husband, that the water that causes the curse shall enter into her and become bitter, and her belly shall swell, and her thigh shall rot, and the woman shall be a curse among her people. And if the woman be not defiled, but be clean, then she shall be free and shall conceive seed. This is the law of jealousies when a wife goes aside to another instead of her husband and is defiled, or when the spirit of jealousy comes upon him and he be jealous over his wife and shall set the woman before the Lord and the priest shall execute upon her all this law. Then shall the man be guiltless from iniquity and this woman shall bear her iniquity. So that is what the Torah says about a wife suspected of adultery. What we are going to do now, we're going to take every little phrase of what we just read and we're going to see how every little phrase that the rabbis associates it to the nation of Israel in the context of their relationship, their marriage relationship with the God of Israel. This is going to come from the Sanchino Midrash Rabbah on the book of Numbers and the section that specifically makes comment on Numbers chapter 5 beginning in verse 11, a wife suspected of adultery. Here is what the Midrash Rabbah says regarding those verses. Here is an exposition of the text. If any man's wife go aside, that is Numbers chapter 5 verse 12, the rabbis interpreted the verses as alluding to the incident of the golden calf. Man here refers to the Holy One, blessed be he, that is the God of Israel, who was called man, as is proved by the verse, the Lord is a man of war. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 3. If a wife go aside, this refers to Israel, who turned aside from following him, as you read, they have turned aside quickly. Exodus chapter 32 verse 8, referring to the incident of the golden calf, which the Aramaic version translates, they have acted as a faithless wife quickly. They are called his wife, for it says, And it shall be at that day, says the Lord, that you shall call me my husband. Hosea chapter 2 verse 18. Likewise, it says, Sanctify them today and tomorrow. Exodus chapter 19 verse 10. You shall be holy. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 2. And act unfaithfully against him. Numbers chapter 5 verse 12. This refers to their breach of faith in committing idolatry. As you read, to break faith with the Lord in the matter of Peor. That is Numbers chapter 31 verse 16. And if a man lie, Numbers chapter 5 verse 13, this alludes to Aaron who made the calf for them. A lying seed for this was the manner in which it was worshipped. They made their seed pass through the fire before it as you read and you shall not give any of your seed to set them apart to Molech, that is Leviticus in chapter 18 and verse 21. And if it be hid from the eyes of her husband and it be hidden, Numbers chapter 5 verse 13, heaven forbid, they imagined in their own minds that the eye of him on high did not see them, as you read, and they said, the Lord will not see. And this comes from the book of Psalms. And it says, thick clouds are a covering to him 
him that he sees not. Job chapter 22 verse 14. And it be hid from him. In the same strain you read, Woe unto them that seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord. Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 15. Then in Numbers 5 it says that if she bring defiled, in the same strain you read, their way was before me as the uncleanness of a woman in her impurity. Ezekiel in chapter 36 verse 17. And if it be that there be no witness against her, signifies that there was no prophet among them who could warn them as you read. The Lord forewarned Israel and Judah by the hand of every prophet and of every seer. Second Kings chapter 17 verse 13. For they had already slain her because he reproved them. Neither she be seized. No. For they acted of their own free will and therefore they were punished. And it is written in Numbers 5.14 If the spirit of jealousy come upon him for I the Lord your God am a jealous God. Exodus chapter 20 verse 5 And he be jealous of his wife as you read Go get you down for your people. They have dealt corruptly. Exodus in chapter 32 verse 7 And if it is the case that she is defiled because it also says there that they worshipped it and they've sacrificed unto it. Exodus in chapter 32 verse 8. In Numbers 5 it says if the spirit of jealousy come upon him and he be jealous of his wife and she be not defiled for there were many righteous among them but the Holy One blessed be he was incensed against them all intending to consume the good with the bad as it says now therefore let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them that I may consume them. Exodus chapter 32 verse 10. In Numbers 5 it goes on to say then shall the man bring i.e. that's the Holy One blessed be he he brought his wife that is Israel unto the priest that was Moses who was the priest all the seven days of consecration of whom it says Moses and Aaron among his priests from the book of Psalms. What is meant here by bringing he brought their case to the notice of Moses for he told him go get you down for your people have dealt corruptly. Exodus in chapter 32 verse 7 and shall bring her offering for her. This alludes to the fact that he gave Moses at that time two tables of testimony as it says and he gave unto Moses when he had made an end of speaking with him the two tables. Exodus in chapter 31 verse 18 that you are to bring a tenth part of an ephah. This alludes to the fact that the ten commandments were inscribed upon them. You are to bring it of barley meal for an account of the iniquity of idolatry Israel became like a meal a barley meal as you read take the millstones and grind meal then this comes from the book of Isaiah and the holy one blessed be he scattered them with whirlwind among the nations for in the commandment you shall have no other gods Exodus chapter 20 verse 3 there is an allusion to the four empires the four kingdoms who would take the nation of Israel into captivity. It says in Numbers 5, And he shall pour no oil upon it. For the Holy One, blessed be he, said to Moses, Now therefore let me alone, nor shall you put frankincense thereon. And you read, he said, Let me alone. Deuteronomy and chapter 9 verse 14. Meaning that he should not remind him of the merit of the patriarch, nor of the merit of the matriarch. For it says in Numbers 5 that it's to be a meal offering of jealousy. And so you read, 
read from Exodus chapter 32 verse 9, I've seen this people and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. It is a meal offering of memorial in Numbers 5. For in the virtue of the commandment you shall have no other gods, Israel will have a claim to be remembered favorably as exterminators of idolatry. Well, that's going to conclude part one of the series on the subject, The Feast of Shavuot, A Change of Heart. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.